Hello, I'm Liv Bolton, and you're listening to The Outdoors Fix, a podcast to inspire people wanting to make adventures outdoors a bigger part of their life. The Outdoors Fix is produced in association with our friends at Ellis Brigham Mountain Sports. My guest this week is trail runner, rock climber, hiker, and all-round outdoors addict, Rory Southworth. Rory has a full-time job as a designer, but uses every available moment outside of work to be in the outdoors adventuring. He's known for his evening adventures in the Lake District, exploring places when everyone else has gone home. He's bubbling with energy and is known for his love of a backwards cap and hair-raising mountain runs and stunning landscapes. He shows that you don't necessarily have to quit your job or flip your life to have some extraordinary adventures. Rory took me on a hike for the podcast in the woodland and moorland of Angles Ark in Lancashire. We even recorded some of it in a den in the woods. I hope you enjoyed the podcast episode. You can find photos of Rory and his adventures on the Outdoors Fix website or Instagram. So here's Rory. Hello. Hello. Thank you for taking me up this brilliant walk we're on so far. We're right, I think if you can hear you, we're right by some water. So whereabouts are we? So we're just sitting alongside Dean Blackbrook on the Angers Ark Moor, which is about 25 minutes from Preston or about 10 minute drive from Blackburn. So it's, it's really close and we're probably only a couple of kilometres in. Yeah, we're about two and a half kilometres in from the car park. So it's a great little spot and it's so secluded and just so nice and we're off the main path as well so yeah there's there's some lovely spots around this moor that away from the main sort of tourist paths that you can get to oh it's really relaxing it's great to get some fresh air today for anyone who doesn't know who you are can you describe yourself for me okay so i i'm just like an average guy that has a nine to five job and I do a lot of running and climbing and, and hiking in, in my free time. And, and I, I tend to make a lot of free time. And so my, I, I try and pack a lot into my evenings, my weekends and my holidays. I, I constantly have like zero days of holiday allowance because I keep booking out blocks of like two, three weeks at a time. But you're a hiker, you're a trail runner, you're into rock climbing. You're also an ambassador for Ordnance Survey and Salomon Running. Yeah, so I, I do quite like combining a lot of things. So I've done a lot of like run scramble link ups or, or linking climbs up, uh, running between or, or multi-day hikes where I run lots um, and then sometimes get tired to walk a little bit. But yeah, just combining all of it. And I'm always like saying that you can pretty much do most things in a pair of foul shoes other than hard rock climbs. Like if you've got a pair of foul shoes on, you can walk the route, run the route and, and do some scrambling. So I try and just combine as much in, into a day or, or, or a few weeks as possible. You do seem to have a hell of a lot of energy, definitely. <laughs> but um, you, you did say that you have had quite a tough year. Tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah, for sure. This has been by far like the toughest year I've, I feel like I've ever had to deal with. Um, in June, late June, just after Keswick Mountain Festival this year, uh, my left arm swelled up a lot. Uh, I went to hospital and at first they thought it was a compressed vein in, in my shoulder and then it later turned out to be a blood clot. So with that, I've had to be on blood thinning medication for the past six months, which has stopped me from outdoor climbing. Uh, stopped me from indoor climbing for a bit and, and stopped me from running for maybe sort of a month or so and I was on my back with my arm raised up for, for a few weeks to get rid of, rid of the swelling and I was in hospital for seven days whilst they were kind of 
checking on, on the blood clot and, and confirming where it was and what the issues were. Uh, at first they blamed sport as well. They said, I ju I've just come back at that point from crossing Scotland by foot for like the second time that year and I was feeling super strong and they said my pack was too heavy. If, if they'd, they'd known, it, in, in backpacking my pack was light um, <laughs> and they, they thought that had caused the blood clot, a, a heavy pack, but since then they've ruled that out. So they currently don't know what is wrong with the shoulder uh, with, with the blood clot and how that formed. They just know it's a blood clot. So yeah, the last six months I've been on blood thinner medication. So things have been different. I've been sort of taking things a lot more easy and trying to reduce the risks more than normal. I think well, we'll come back to that later on because it sounds like it's you know been a really difficult time. Um, but I want to bring you back right to the start. Okay. Um, where did you grow up and were you particularly adventurous when you were younger? So I grew up in Bristol um, in a, a village called Warmley which is great because it's, it's not too far from the Cotswolds, you know, a short drive away and would be walking the Cotswolds. Uh, as a kid, I'd play in the woods all the time. Um, I remember I had like this, this sort of uh, pop-up type playhouse that you get when you're a child. And I asked my mum to recover it in camouflage. So she, she made a camouflage cover for this sort of like pop-up like uh, playhouse. And I used to take that to my local woods and we would sort of play for hours with, with this tent, we'd set it up, and my mum made me this sort of like camo, all-in-one like zip-up suit as well, and I'd like Aww. run around, crawl through the sort of water tunnels, uh, splash around in my wellies and, and have a great time. So yeah, I suppose like I've always had that kind of want to play outdoors and not fussed about wet feet, really. So then you, you went to university in London yeah. and had a very sort of urban existence for a good few years. For sure, yeah. But, but before that, I'd done a lot of cycling um, around where I lived in Bristol. So I took my bike thinking I'd be able to cycle around there. And I just, I think I took my bike out once. I just didn't really like cycling um, where I was in Axbridge. Uh, so yeah, like I ended up just doing a lot of indoor climbing. My, my dad was a climber and I'd had like family that were climbers. So I joined the, the climbing club and spent a lot of time indoor climbing at, at uni. And so then from uni, you moved up to Preston uh, because you're a designer, is that was for a job? Yeah, so yeah. Uh, I graduated with a degree in product design and uh, I saw this job, I advertised in Preston and I Googled where that was because previously I'd never been more north than Manchester and that seemed really far from, from <laughs> where I was and I knew from Google Maps, it was kind of near the Lake District, and I'd, I'd heard that was like a cool place for the mountains. I, I'd had lots of friends uh, that I used to mountain bike with that had visited the lakes and said how amazing they were. And I didn't Google image it I, or anything. I didn't research the Lake District. I just heard that it was kind of cool and thought that would be a cool place to live. Um, so yeah, I, I, I ended up getting the job. I moved myself all up to, to Preston in, in just like a single car worth of stuff. I didn't have much. I just moved up to, to see what it was all about. Okay, so you were up in Preston. You hadn't really explored the Lake District much at this point, but you'd been into indoor climbing mm. and cycling. Was there a moment then that you thought, I really want to make my life so much more adventurous than this, and your trail running and your rock climbing took off? I think it kind of just progressed organically in that, you know, I I'd kind of had these visions that I'd go up to the lakes after work and I'd be running in that sort of, you know, just as the sun's setting, 
this really sort of like romantic picture in my mind that I'd seen on, on YouTube and videos. And, you know, I thought that that, could, that that looked cool. You know, that would be fun to give a go. Obviously to be able to, everyone who like runs really far knows that you can't just like squeeze a run out really far like, like it was nothing. You have to put lots of groundwork in. And same with the mountains, you can't just be a mountaineer. You have to put a lot of groundwork in. So I suppose it, it took me, you know, a good, a good amount of time of doing my mountain apprenticeship getting used to traveling in the Lake District Mountains through the different seasons and just having that kind of that mountain awareness, tightening up my navigation, getting the fitness. And I, I did a lot of hiking before I, I did more running in that I would go up after work, I would put a, a hike in and I'd do lots of peaks. And as the, the days got darker, the evenings sort of draw closer, I would then have to find myself running a bit more or you know going a bit faster each time to be able to do the route I planned before it got dark. And at this point, I didn't know like nighttime hiking at all. I, mm. I would always try and get back to my car before it got dark. I'd always take a head torch, but I had like a 50 lumen cheap one that I'd never really had to use. So yeah, I think my running really progressed from not wanting to be out really late, but still wanting to do the routes uh, and, 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 and in the evenings. And by doing a lot of hills, your legs get a lot of muscles that kind of help with the, 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 the fell running. And, and then the people I suppose you meet as well along the way that, you know, they say, oh, do you want to do this trip? Or do you want to do something like this? And then you realize that there's this other part of the mountains that you hadn't kind of thought about doing or this other type of running or this other sort of trip that you never considered. And that kind of inspires you to think, yeah, I'll, I'll give that a go. So tell me some about some of your biggest adventures then. I mean, I know you've done the John O'Groats to Land's End cycling. Yeah. And you've crossed Scotland twice by foot this year. Tell yeah. me about that. It kind of started from the Land's End John O'Groats trip. I was in an airport uh, in Rome and I'd been sick of traveling around Rome. Like I'd been dragged around loads of museums <laughs> and I just didn't really have a good time. And I used a week of holiday up for this trip. So I was kind of annoyed about that. And there and then I had looked into doing a multi-day trip. I'd read in some forums a long time ago when I was much more into cycling. I wasn't really into cycling at this point about Lands and John O'Groats as a thing that people did. So I thought, yeah, that that makes logical sense you start in a and you finish in b i planned a route and i basically thought i'd like to visit loads of friends and, and buddies that i knew through like instagram um along the way and that also would make it quite cheap uh so i basically mm -hmm. planned the route on visiting friends and also going via the most mountain areas that i kind of wanted to explore so to be fit for that i thought i would run across England first because I thought like I'm really not great at training but I'm good at getting excited about trips. One of my friends had got the Wainwright's Coast to Coast book for mm. a Christmas present so I borrowed that and decided I'd do that. I ran across that in 11 days quite quite easy like between sort of 15 to 40k a day. Wow. Um, I kind of felt pretty pretty fit in myself for, for the bike but because I'd done that uh, I'd also thought maybe it'd be cool to do the similar thing in Scotland to get ready for that and test some kit out, I decided I'd do uh, across Scotland in a long weekend. So over the Easter weekend, I started in Fort William and I ended in Inverness along the Great Glen Way. So I did the Great Glen Way to be ready for the 13 day crossing I did of Scotland um, a couple of months after that uh, in the summer, which was a lot, a lot nicer route. I started at Shield Bridge uh, and then, you know, went up through the Cairngorms and over to Stonehaven. Away. Crossing Scotland is just, again, it, it started with 
have a bit too much holiday and I don't want to go and do a city break. So I'll do Lands and Johnny Groats. To do that, I feel like I need to, you know, do a big run. So I did England and then because I did that, I thought I'd do Scotland. It, it all kind of, it's, it's all kind of trickles. It expands from like one little idea and that then means, oh, I should do that. I should do that. I should yeah. do that for me. I, I never really have like a big end goal plan. Like, you know, some people, they, 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 they have all these like challenges. Mine kind of just, normally when I'm on one trip, I'll decide to do something the next trip and then I'll decide to do something, you know, just that's the way it happens for me. When you were crossing Scotland on a 13 day trip, what was mm. the highlight for you? There was more suffering than I expected in that, in that <laughs> I think not eat, ever eating enough food because I didn't want to carry too much weight. So I was like constantly pretty hungry. Um, and then I also cut myself on a saw. Like it's really bad How because- How did you do that? I was, I was cutting wood for Bothy and yeah. I'm normally pretty good. I'm workshop trained, you know, I, I've, I've, I've I've had courses on how to use big saws, yet a hacksaw blade, um, it, it just jumped out of the groove. I wasn't concentrating, I was pretty tired, and I just, I, I sawed through my, my thumb a bit, and that then split my, my thumb open, and I couldn't get that back together for a few days, and it just happened that those few days that I, I didn't really see much. So I was oh, like wow. holding together the skin on my thumb for a good few days and I kept splitting it open until I stumbled across a nice man with um, uh, a bigger first aid kit than mine who managed to have some steri strips. Mm. And I, I am truly grateful for that man because my skin eventually bonded back together on that trip and I could crack on. But So that's, that's, there's not many highlights so far, is there? <laughs> um, I suppose the highlight, I, I, I had a really like strong day one day when I think it was about lunchtime and I'd done my day's distances. I, I'd planned it, like I planned it with quite short days because I thought the terrain was going to be tougher than it was, but it ended up being not that bad. So I had like a 30k day on one of the days, and so I, I, I was done by about 12. So I had lunch, and I'd heard some some rumours that there was like a nicer place, sort of only like 20k further on, and it did mean going over like two mountain passes but it was only like 20k. So I thought after I was fueled up on a, a burger from this pub. So I, I just ran the 20k to get to this nicer camping spot and then made, made it there um, for like so, some food and there was loads of people. And it was really nice because when I got there, it was just a really nice environment. I was expecting to like wild camp in some small flat section on some rough, aggressive terrain. But it ended up like I camped on this like village park and there was a load of other hikers there and it was just you know we're all sharing stories that was also where the, the man had the steri strips so my thumb you know wasn't bleeding so all of these adventures you also did the wainwrights didn't you how yeah. was that so when i first moved up to the north i thought i would do something that took me around the lake district and actually explored it because i thought otherwise i might just find my sort of favorite spots and keep going back so the wainwrights kind of pushed me on both my confidence in the mountains, but to see more in the Lake District, you know, push myself to get out. I did everything solo pretty much. Mm -hmm. Once I'd gone out a few trips with a few, few people I'd met along the way, I, I basically did everything solo. So the Wainwrights was good as something to push me. Sometimes I need that, that motivation, mm -hmm. or I find those sort of things motivate me to, to get out and, and do them. And this list of 214 mountains seemed like a good way to do that and to, to see lots of cool cool routes so it was a three and a half year long journey for me 
and that was me falling in and out of love with the Wainwrights. Yeah. That was me doing other things and you know spending more time climbing than spending more time running and and sort of taking you know I must have taken sort of probably out of that like a year year and a half off throughout that those three and a half years actually the Wainwrights being a focus although they were still on my mind mm. even when I wasn't doing them I was like I felt like I was like cheating on them if I'd go somewhere else that wasn't the Lake District to do to do Wainwrights I feel like I was either wasting my weekend or cheating on the Wainwrights because I knew <laughs> I had to get get them done so that was a really big thing this this summer was was finishing them off and which was your final one cat bells oh so, lovely i yeah. love that, that was well i i purposely left that one off I'd, I'd been dodging that for the last three and a half years because i wanted to do something that i could get a few buddies up with me and we could go up there and i could celebrate it properly because i felt like i'd put so much effort into this mm-hmm. i thought it would, i'd do it injustice if i didn't celebrate so a few of us um we all we all went up i think there must have been about 12 of us we went up and yeah i had a, a bowl of champagne at the top um i shared around some some gingerbread from grassmere and oh, we just amazing. had like a good time the weather was perfect mm-hmm. we got some amazing imagery it was like a lot of emotions for me i feel like i don't ever really get that emotional about the mountains but it was more than that because it was like such a long journey i'd had so many things go on in those last three and a half years so much had changed it was nice to finally like kind of close that chapter was leads me really well to my next question which is how does the outdoors make you feel and why are you so addicted to it (laughs) so i literally woke up this morning i feel really tired because i haven't had many rest days and i just wanted to run like it's i don't know like it's it's quite like a draw like when i close my eyes sometimes i just imagine trail running technical terrain (laughs) so i think it's not about the views either for me so I don't know it's not it's not that sort of like picturesque thing about you you feel great because you see all these natural colors i just like the movement that's why i love night running and night hiking so much or night climbing literally i feel like if you blindfolded me but gave me like really technical terrain i would love it even when we clambered up this brook today it's very sort of low and it's technical difficulty but you have to like place your feet in different ways. You have to weight your feet in mm-hmm. different ways. You have to use your hands, use the friction of the rock. Is it a way that you deal with stress? Is, is you know, exercising mm. and movement a way you kind of get a calmer head? Yeah, for sure. So since university, I used climbing a lot as dealing with any stress. And it's almost like a refresh for me, like a factory reset of when I'm climbing, I can't think of anything but. and. You know, we were talking about soloing earlier. Soloing for me is especially that. When I'm soloing, I can't think of absolutely anything. And that's why I love it so much. When, when, you, when you're soloing a route, because everything's just escalated in, in the risk, um, you, yeah, you, the focus is something I just haven't been able to find from anything else, including running. Like, I still, you can still have little thoughts when you're running technical terrain, or, or, but when you're, you're soloing or when you're, you're climbing something really hard, but the risk is still there, then that's... I, I just love it. It's, it's that just complete, complete block of everything that's going mm, on. In the moment. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's probably bad. That's, you know, that's the ostrich putting its head in the sand. But I love that. So as much as that's wrong, I, I love that ability just to blank everything out and just focus on the movement of what I love doing. 
Rory, we have moved to our second location on this walk because the rain did in fact set in. <laughs> it, it did, it, it did get a bit too wet. So I've taken you to a little den that's been made in the woods in Wilton Plantation. So we just moved a bit further down from uh, the brook that where we were sat by before. And now we've got the uh, coverage of a den that it looks like a few uh, kids have made. It looks like one that I used to make when I was younger when you've got like good lot of big logs propped against the tree, ferns, holly for a bit of coverage there. It's exactly it's a, it's a good job done by kids. Yeah, a good them. lean to construction. <laughs> We've talked about some of your bigger adventures, but yeah. you know, as we said before, you have a nine to five job as a designer. Mm-hmm. How do you fit adventuring in around that job? So I use a lot of my evenings and I feel like that's kind of more like you're pretty limited to your holiday. I have a good amount of holiday that I get to use, but that goes really fast, especially when you're doing, you know, multi-day, multi-week trips. So it's just using those evenings. And I think one of my best investment investments was a head torch. You know, buying a very high powered head torch means that you can pretty much do everything you kind of want to uh, at night. So as the evenings do, do, do draw in, I, I don't really mind. I just throw on my head torch and then yeah I'll go for runs what what I do is I I do tend to go back to areas I've been to before so I'm really familiar with them when the cloud comes in and it's dark it can be a lot harder to Mm -hmm. navigate whereas if if it's a route I know pretty well um, it's not so bad but yeah I, I love to get out in the evenings for either you know some night climbs I normally either lead lower grade routes that I'm comfortable at or or top rope or or go bouldering um and then, yeah, for runs, just kind of go to either somewhere like my local sort of area, like something like here on, on the Angles Arc and Darwin Moors, or head up to the lakes and go often to the Langdales. I mean, I was trying to remember how many times I've gone up Pavey Arc and the Langdales in the Lake District. And I think it must be something like 16 or 18 times. I must oh, really? be nearing 20 times. I just, there's so many different ways to get to it. And from there, it all kind of opens up and it's an area that I love so much and there's so many good scrambles or climbs up Pavey Arc and on around that sort of headwall that yeah I'm drawn to there especially in the evenings where I want to go somewhere I'm familiar with and I'm comfortable with. As you say going climbing and scrambling in the dark or running in the dark you you do need a bit of expertise there and so what you were telling me before what kind of courses or Um, expertise have you gathered in the years since you've been doing outdoors activities? Yeah so I think it it all started when I was climbing at uh, university and I did my climbing instructor training uh, which and before that I'd gone on quite an intense long you know multi-week course for for climbing so we learned you know rescue techniques Mm -hmm. which I really really value like now if I'm going out with people and and they ask me to show them bits and pieces I normally throw in some um, sort of rescue techniques and self-rescue so you can be more reliant and you can be safer in the mountains I'm, I'm really aware that you know like you can't just be posting loads of pictures of yourself running across knife-ed ridges or doing loads of like rock climbs without also using the correct techniques yeah. uh, and for me that's that's super important I feel I try and stay relevant I read all the latest uh, techniques so if I'm ever like doing anything I always want it to be sort of the latest that's agreed on for the for the um, you know, the climbing instructor awards uh, mm. or, or the MIAs and all the sort of mountain leader type awards. I just think you've got to be doing those techniques, even if you're not. 
like a qualified um, sort of uh, instructor or guide. It's just good practice to be doing the latest techniques. So when I moved to the lakes, uh, I did a winter walking course. I'd already covered a lot of those techniques because I'd already been ice climbing and, and doing stuff in the winter in, in the Alps. But just to totally understand the Lake District, because I still think snow is, is, is an amazing thing and different, there's so many different types of snow and, and when you, you need to be aware of that when you're um, traversing mountains and, and doing routes. So that, I did a, an Alpine course as well. Uh, I've done an advanced navigation course. When you're um, doing your evening adventures after work, Talk me through sort of where is the most common place that you like to go? What time do you go? What time do you get back? And tell me about the equipment that you also take with yeah, you. Yeah. So it's really dependent on who I go with. If it's, some, if it's a trip that I'm going to go by myself, um, I'll throw together a very lightweight pack or maybe a waist belt and I'll just put a bit of water, some snacks. I always carry a first aid kit. That's been really important yeah. for me with um, being on medication recently with the blood thinners. But even even without that, like it's always good to, to carry a, a small first aid kit um, in case you stumble across people. And, and I've, I've had that in the past where m more so sort of on the bigger mountains in the lakes or in the Alps where you stumbled across someone that needs, needs some sort of mm -hmm. help. Um, uh, map and compass. Uh, I always have a lot on my phone as well. I always have backups of things. Um, always a head torch. Even if I'm not planning to be out late, like right now, I've, I've even brought a mini head torch right. in, in case anything, they're always handy to have. Uh, so I always have those basics. And then if there's, if I'm going to be doing something like a route which requires rope and, and climbing gear, then I'll just add that on top of that. Mm -hmm. um, also, I quite like scrambling with a helmet if, if it's a grade three and above mm -hmm. um scramble so grade three or four i do quite like scrambling with a helmet in the lakes we have lots of sheep that like to push boulders and small rocks down so yeah I, I'm, I'm a big fan of the helmet mm -hmm. even if you don't expect that the route if, if the route's steep enough and there's ledges where there's, there's likely to be sheep i always normally wear a helmet i'll leave at any time if it's for me straight after work maybe from three to, to four or five o'clock if it if i'm meeting up with someone then that can vary but after they finish work so maybe five six uh, the latest i'll leave is is probably about half seven that's kind of the latest mm -hmm. and then if i'm leaving at half seven and i'm going with someone uh, i'm probably going to not get back home until two in the morning or wow. sort of three in the morning and so where will you have gone um so yeah maybe my, my main visited places are either the langdales and go up something like jack's rake mm -hmm. you know, on pavey arc which is a grade one scramble or blencathra and go up horsefell or sharp edge i quite like doing a grade one scramble um especially with friends in the evenings so with your injury then that we were talking about earlier um, your blood clot in your shoulder mm -hmm. How did that make you feel? Because you're so energetic, you're so adventurous, and it kind of put a stop to it for a little while. Oh, yeah. So that was a massive shake-up. And I, I feel like I identify as an outdoor person. So when that's kind of stripped from you, um, that was really hard to deal with. And when I deal with all my stress through running and climbing, when you're being told that you might not be able to climb again or you might be not, not able to climb at the same level um, and that your running might be affected and all these things you might not be able to do. And then you can't deal with that stress through running or climbing it off because you're told you can't do those things. It was incredibly hard and I've never had to really deal with that before in my, in, in my adult life, all my life, you know. I suppose I suffered, you know, definitely mentally more than I've ever, ever before. Uh, just not 
well, it's, it's, it's a lot of hard things to hear and then no way to deal with it. Mm. And I realized that I only had one coping, coping mechanism and that was sport. Um, I think maybe since I've kind of improved on that, but I, I'm still, that's definitely still a weak area. You know, if, if things get, start going wrong, then I always deal with it through, through sports. De- dealing that with that was really hard, but it was also good of how the community kind of reacted to that. And, you know, like I spent a lot of time on my back at home. And, you know, if, if I ever sort of felt a little bit down, there was always someone to pick me up in, in the outdoor community on Instagram specifically, but also through my blog posts. You know, like I, I kept writing. And first I didn't write anything for a while about it because I was moaning th- through Instagram. I didn't really... The last thing I wanted to do was write about it and put into words how I was feeling. Um, I don't really talk about my emotions much on Instagram or in life. So it was like a big thing and a different style of writing for me. Like normally I quite like writing about, you know, running or trips and it's, it's all a similar style or there's my jokey top tips and there's those two styles. So then writing about something personal that was quite like hard for me. Mm. Um, and also like, at that point, I couldn't sit down and type because sitting down put pressure on my shoulder. Typing made my arm swell. So I had to, I basically wrote those walking really slowly around uh, like a, a one kilometer loop I was walking each day because um, the doctor said, you know, you have to rest it. So my arm was raised for most of the day, but I could get sort of like a 1K a day right. in. So I'd walk slowly, really slowly because it affected my heart rate as well. So my heart rate was massively elevated. And I had to walk slow just to keep it at a normal well, acceptable heart rate, one-handed with my right hand. And I just typed that on my phone, walking around really slowly. I suppose dealing with it through that as well and then hearing how people reacted to that and being really supportive. So now you're off the blood thinners, which is fantastic news. What is your next challenge then? So, yeah, like it's opened up a lot more possibilities because I can get back uh, climbing without as much risk involved. Um, When you're on blood thinners, internal bleeding in the head is is a massive worry. So I've really put off anything to do with climbing, even roped climbing, just because, you know, it's less about fours and more about boulders coming down. That was worrying me. And then now um, I can focus on those climbs again. So in the back of my mind, I've wanted to do something that's been inspired by uh, Dave McLeod and and a few other people that have been doing these things where it's like a number of different sports in a certain amount of hours. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really good because like i'm not like a really good runner i'm not a really good climber but i enjoy both of those things i I enjoy different styles of climbing so i kind of had my eye on doing four in four so doing a severe 4a climb Mm -hmm. as a solo and then a v4 boulder problem Mm -hmm. uh, which is font 6c and then a grade four scramble which is kind of a mod grade climb and then four Wainwrights, all in four hours. Wow. So that's, that's also like 14K to link these up. So oh it, they're not all next to each other, but that would be kind of proving that my head game is still there mm-hmm. on, on the sort of solo, proving that my, my finger strength and my climbing ability is still there to myself. And then also having a good morning out, you know, four hours is a good morning. <laughs> I love that you just see this as a morning out when for most of us, it sounds so challenging. It's just, it'll be nice to do four different types of of well three different types of climbing four different types of outdoor sport all in one go dedicating so much of your life then now to adventuring and and your evenings outside has it had a an impact do you think on 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 friendships on on family or on or actually is it something that's pretty much fitted into your life 
seamlessly. <laughs> I, I definitely don't do this in the best way possible. There's definitely other ways. I know for sure because I am terrible at all of those things. Um, I get very focused on things, not in a particularly weird way, but that um, for friendships, I, I, I don't ever, I suppose, have lots of really good friends that I see regularly um, because I'm spending all this time outside. Um, I normally climb with lots of different people as well and, and, and run with different people. And I quite like meeting new people and having one or two runs or climbs with them and just meeting lots of people and having lots of people that I maybe talk to um, on Instagram or, or message. But actual friendships, I suppose, because everything I do is based on the weather so much, mm -hmm. I probably am not a good friend. In fact, I know I'm probably, yeah, I'm probably not a great friend. You know, you're trying to fit in training and then work and then, you know, then seeing friends, then seeing partners, then seeing family and talking to them. Um, I, I definitely don't do well in that. In fact, yeah, I'm pretty sure people tell me that I'm not that great at that. So for a lot of people, you've got an incredibly adventurous lifestyle. Is it something that you want to build on though or are you pretty satisfied where you are right now? So I, th I think one of the problems with surrounding yourself with some pretty epic adventurers and outdoors people and also you know being part of the Salomon um, family you don't I don't ever feel like I'm super adventurous and there's always more that I can be doing for sure so yeah I definitely want to build on that uh, right now I've got something that works pretty well for me where I am definitely like some bigger bigger trips and I think that's one of the things that you know we were talking about me being quite competitive with myself when I see lots of my friends and they've been coming back from big trips where they've had lots of time doing bits of training and then they'll go away for like multi-week or multi-month doing something those are the things I'm always quite jealous about um, mm. they might not be doing anything that's like super technical super hard and but I quite like the idea of something a lot longer. Mm. Uh, what that is, I'm still not 100% sure. Um, but I think, you know, even with the multi-day, the multi-week stuff I've done so far, I've enjoyed that a lot. Um, and I think probably going forward, there'll be more of that happening. So, yeah, like, I feel pretty adventurous, but I'll feel more adventurous after a multi-week or multi-month. Are now on our third location on the walk. Um, we're in a sort of very mossy part of the wood, aren't we? Yeah, so we're still in Wilton Plantation, but we've just moved deeper into the forest. So it's a bit more dense here, and there's sort of some scattered remains of some buildings, um, and yeah, a lot of moss. Let's talk about the three people who have inspired you and in, in your adventures. Who would the first person be? So for me, it's, it's got to be Jenny Tuff. I feel like people who know me probably know I mention her a lot, but she just does trips that I would really like to do. Everything she does, she comes up with some great trips and they're always kind of multi-day and multi-week trips where she either runs or cycles. She's done a lot of cy uh, cycling trips recently, but she'll like run across a mountain range. So wow. run, run across like the Andes and, and things like that. And it's just really cool trips that, yeah, I just wish I'd thought of and she'll do it backpacking, she'll bivy or she'll camp and she'll take a really small rucksack and she has the most epic stories when she comes back about, you know, the police moving her on and 
and um, like being taken into people's families' homes where she doesn't speak the language. And she kind of just lets these things all happen and it doesn't phase her. Mm -hmm. and, and yeah, for me, it's, it's kind of, they're all quite extreme things, but they're still kind of accessible for, for someone who's quite sporty and quite fit and can run for multiple days. Uh, so yeah, like n none of her distances are insane. They're all really long, but they're not that's like something that's just unachievable unless you're, you know, one of the best running athletes in the world. And that's what I like. There's, there's, there's running athletes that, you know, I, I like, but they're just not accessible to me. Mm. I just feel like I'm never going to be able to put in the training or want to put in that level of training to be able to run like that and put my body through stress, stresses like that. Uh, yeah, so Jenny Tuff for me has to be my like favorite person that kind of inspires me for these things. So second person, uh, Anna Blackwell. So she's just come back from kayaking the continent. Uh, she's, she's done some big walks um, as, as well. And, and I think it's just the way she handles herself when she does those things. And that again, she just kind of lets things happen. Um, and people always tell her that she's a woman so she shouldn't go off and do all these things and i love her what, attitude who tells her that? Oh, she, this is what she tells me oh but Lord. i love that she just kind of like ignores all of that and just does it you know so whatever she's told if, if people say it's going to be too hard or it's too tough or whatever she just takes that all in a stride and just cracks on and, and because of that she has again amazing stories and you know when you do a multi-day trip you meet loads of cool people that you maybe wouldn't otherwise have met and people take you in and you receive so much kindness and she has such great stories uh, of of those sort of things from the most unexpected people so how about your third person uh, i like steve birkinshaw he's a lake district guy that ran all the wainwrights in a week so he's, he's done a lot wow. of other things he's, he's a racer um, and an orienteer but yeah, I mean, like, I appreciate that a lot. It took me three and a half years to do them. And I know I didn't do them in one continuous round. Um, but he has the record for the uh, fastest known time for completing all the rain rights. His day job, he's an academic. Uh, so, you know, he had to train around uh, work. He had to take, <laughs> he took a week off holiday and subsequently some time after to recover. But he managed to fit all of that in around his day job, put in the time strategically um, gain a lot of time on, on, on the previous person that had attempted it. And that was a record that had stood for a long time. He sounds awesome and they're great suggestions. Coming up at the end of the podcast, your real outdoors fix. A minute of the sounds of nature to divert your mind away from daily life. But first, back to Rory for his tips and advice. What would your tips be for people who want to take a path like you and, and become more adventurous in their day to day? You need the skills, but also buy a head torch. You can do so much in your evenings. Um, put the time into just get your navigation, you know, confident in that, but also buying quite a high powered head torch. And the thing is these days you can buy like a really high powered head torch from like Alpkit for 35 pounds. It's not like a hundred pound investment. Mm -hmm. These things are, are much more affordable to be able to, you know, climb and run and hike in, in, the, in the woods at night and in the mountains at night. So yeah, as long as you have the skills, it just opens up so much more time. Uh, my second tip would be to um, just go out to your local woods more. So I've been amazed at the quality of trail that I can find 
um, around my local area. And I just, I'm forever on the OS Maps app. And I, I look at the digital maps and I just scroll out from where my location is and I'll look at the topo lines and I, I'll, I'll look at the, the small faint tracks and, and the, the footpaths that I can see and I'll kind of throw together a few routes. And normally, judging by the topo lines on the map, I can normally throw together some pretty decent trail but just from looking at the map because I kind of know what I'm looking for. But I'm always amazed at the quality of trail that can be found so close to your home. Everyone has some local woods somewhere. You know, I, when I ran in London, there's some amazing um, routes in, on Wimbledon Common. You know, everyone has that trail. So just, you know, look at the, the maps and just find those footpaths, looking at those topo lines to find the sort of glens, the valleys, those steep sidewalls. That's where I find the best trail. Your third tip of advice, what would that be? That's meeting people online i know it's the sort of thing that you like told not to do uh, when you're younger but i've <laughs> met some amazing people and done some really cool trips and had some really cool days out with people online um always through instagram but you, you kind of get a sense of maybe the sort of style of trips they're into or the types of sports and yeah like you, like i said you, you meet someone at a train station when they've come down from somewhere uh, either you pick them up or you're getting picked up and then you know you can spend a day adventuring with them and they'll give you a different sort of slant on things you might do something in a different way I do a lot of things solo but I really like meeting new people and kind of getting their take on the outdoors and their style and then also like maybe learning things you know I've learned so much from just meeting up with people um, yeah so also, when I couldn't drive for, the, for that short period of time with, with my blood clot, when it wasn't comfortable, when my arm was swelling up through driving, it meant that it wasn't an issue. I kept meeting up with people, taking the train, meeting up with people, and uh, I, I didn't need to rely on having a car. Oh, it's awesome. Rory, this has been such a fun day. Thank you so much. We've Thank had you. like a real adventure. We've found little dens. We've been by a brook. We're now by some abandoned buildings in a mossy woodland. It's been wicked and it's been so great to hear that you're a bit back to fuller health. Yeah. And you've got so many events on the horizon. Yeah. Um, so thank you so much for today. Well, thank you for coming out and let me take you to my local woods. Thank you. Before we get to the real outdoors fix, which is a relaxing minute of the sounds of nature, I want to say thanks for listening and if you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe to it. I'd also love to hear your feedback about The Outdoors Fix, so please leave your comments on the website or social media. You'll also find photos of Rory and his adventures on the website, as well as other episodes. But now, time for escapism.
Thank you for listening to The Outdoors Fix. The podcast is proudly supported by Ellis Brigham Mountain Sports, stores nationwide and online, offering everything you need to equip you for the best outdoors experience.